A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source in Pro Power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. All right, Motley Crue have called it a career. 1981 to 2015 was the lifespan of this band. They finished up on New Year's Eve in their hometown of Los Angeles. Dolph Ziggler was there. Uh, and to mark the end of the band, I've got Motley Crue diehards Bubba Dudley and Dolph Ziggler. We're going to be talking about all the concerts we've seen, our first introduction to the band, stories about meeting the various band members, all the crazy drum risers and solos that Tommy Lee has done over the years. And, of course, we're going to name our favorite albums and songs. Plus, we have some thoughts about the John Karabi Motley Crew Motley Crew record. So many stories to talk about. Uh, I know that Dolph and Bubba are huge crew fans. You get to hear a little other side of the story from these guys. If you want to chime in on the discussion, let us know what you thought about it. Head over to iTunes and leave your thoughts in the comments section. And while you're there, you might as well hit the subscribe button, man, if you haven't already. Of course, you can leave us a five-star rating, which helps out this show. Uh, and my buddy Diamond Dallas Page deserves five stars as well because he's racked up some amazing... Uh, iTunes reviews for his new DDP Yoga Now app. And this app deserves all the great reviews it's getting at both iTunes and Google Play. I got DDP Yoga Now uh, on my phone. I used it last night to do stand-up, one of my favorite yoga workouts, and I did it all on my phone. Now that I'm back with the WWE, I did 92 minutes in four nights uh, last week. 92 minutes in the ring in four nights no way no way at all i'd be able to do that if i didn't have ddp yoga and now i can do yoga like i said i did some last night my back was feeling a little stiff and sore feels amazing today and the reason why is because of the yoga and because of the fact i was able to do it on the app do all the workouts right on my phone don't have to lug around the dvds or the special dvd player that i was using my macbook throw all those things out the window because all of my favorite ddp yoga workouts are right on the ddp yoga now app and it's even got live workouts from the ddp yoga performance center i know stevie richards is a trainer there you might be able to see him leading some workouts or ddp himself also this app has recipes nutrition guides you can watch some live cooking shows you can earn rewards as well within the app and redeem them for cool prizes and ddp yoga 
yoga merch. The more workouts you do, the more points you get, the more points you get, the more merch you get. It's very, very simple. You guys know what DDP and DDP Yoga did for me, is doing for me, has done for me, and how much I love this uh, this whole exercise, this whole uh, program. And that's why Dallas has given you such a great deal. He believes in you like I believe in you. If only you believe like I believe. I don't even know what song that is. He's giving you the best price, though, all you sexy beast listeners of Talk is Jericho. You want to get DDP Yoga? Then go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. And if you purchase DDP Yoga at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho, you'll get three free months of the DDP Yoga Now app. You're not going to want to live without this. Once you get into the yoga program, once you get into these exercises and start doing them daily, doing it from the app is the most convenient way. It's the best way. And it's actually pretty fun. I mean, it's uh, I don't know who did this app, but man, they put a lot of work into it. It's really, really impressive. And I want you to try it out. And I want you, more importantly, to get started on DDP Yoga today, okay? It's one of the best decisions you can make for your health. Take advantage of this special offer. Get the lowest price on DDP Yoga. And once again, three free months of access to the DDP Yoga Now app. I want you to go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Change your life. Get started today at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Get in the best shape of your life. Me and DDP are going to take you there, and you can start it today. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, I'm here with uh, Dolph Ziegler and Bubba Ray Dudley to talk about their favorite band, Motley Crue. Now, they just finished up their career. It was the death of the crew from 1981 to 2015. New Year's Eve was the final show ever for Motley Crue. So, Dolph, uh, you've just come into this in the last five years or so. Uh, You've become a huge Motley Crue fan, a big metal guy, a big glam metal guy. Uh, have you always been into the crew? You know, I, just, I, I, yeah, for the longest time, that was uh, what, what I liked a lot. But, I mean, not too many friends were into it. I, it's, I feel like a couple years ahead of me would have been people uh, who were into it. But I, I, a couple friends, older brothers, I always liked it. Never really had any friends to go to any concerts with me, anyone who was interested in doing anything. And then the last couple of years, uh, my very good friend, Brad Attitude, who was my tag partner in FCW, uh, we, we uh, a couple friends of ours, we got together and we just saw them when they were um, doing their uh, residency in Vegas. And we started to make it a, a thing once or twice a year. And now I actually have some friends I can talk about stuff with besides you and Doc. And uh, so, uh, yes, for you, no. Bubba, you've been a Molly Crew fan. I'd almost even say if you someone said to me, "What's Bubba's favorite band?" and you weren't in the room, I'd probably say Molly Crew or Kiss. But I'd say Molly Crew. Yeah, I mean, I've been. I can tell you like the exact day where I was when I first discovered Molly Crew. I was I was a kid in Queens. I was at my grandparents' house, and I was all, I would always ask my grandfather for money so I could go buy uh, the rock and roll magazines or the wrestling magazines. So I think it was maybe Cream or one of those or Hit Parader, and I never heard of Motley Crue before. But there was just on the cover a small picture of them, and it said like, you know, disgusting, sexist pig rockers. <laughs> and you're gonna love them. And I opened up the magazine and I saw them for the first time, and I was like, who are these guys? And I was like, just I, uh, you know, it was crazy. To my grandmother the next day, can you please take me to the mall? Because I had to buy one of their albums. And Shout at the Devil had just come out. So this is 1983. 
And I'll never forget getting back to my grandmother's house, opening up Shout at the Devil, and having the same feeling opening up the Shout at the Devil album as I did opening up Kiss Alive 2 for the first time. Because remember, Kiss Alive 2 opened right. up. The gatefold. Double, you know, the gatefold. And that's how Motley Cruz was also. And, I mean, they were the hottest guys I've ever seen in my life until Poison came around. So, <laughs> <laughs> I remember my first uh, exposure with the crew was uh, probably in 83, and I went to this guy named Stacy Daynard. Uh, went to his house and he had that record Shout of the Devil and I looked at it and I remember thinking two things one Mick Mars uh, the, the guy with the, the guy with the black hair is the ugliest chick I've ever seen in my life <laughs> and the other one was the blonde one how can first of all she got such a flat chest <laughs> And how can she be on the co- on the cover of the album with her with her oh non-existent God. tits hanging yeah. out? You know, but like you said, that's when like they just came out of nowhere as this really sleazy. Because at that point in time, glam was just starting to go. But it was more like Judas Priest and Scorpions and Ozzy and those type of bands. But the glam thing hadn't really started yet. They were more kind of a shock value. See, type I don't of band. E- I don't even think that started the glam movement. I challenge, and, and li- listen, between the three of us, I will give Jericho his props. He knows so much about rock and roll. I challenge you to find a band who did the traditional glam look before Motley Crue did it with Theater of Pain. Oh, well, let's see. I mean, and you can't say the dolls or anything like that. No, 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 <laughs> but at the time frame, see, now, Dolph, you're like 10 years Maybe even more so, younger than us. So you're coming out. It's, it's interesting to me because we were there when it actually yeah, was I was starting. not there when it went down. Yeah, but you're discovering them after the fact, right? So you, you like it's like you know all of this stuff already. But for us, it's like reading a book. You were there for it, and, and each yeah, chapter unfolds. So yeah. they came out as like this super dirty, sleazy, like you said, the pentagram yeah. looks that kill. Shout at the devil, and then the next record, Theater of Pain. Vince is wearing, you know. Pink and, right. and lingerie. Yeah, but I we have like uh, Goo Goo Dolls, Train stuff like that. Maybe yeah. uh, I'm just I'm just totally kidding, right? Like, <laughs> like I don't have anything that's like except for shock. I know you people can't see us right now, but my eyes just bulged out of my head. Imagine dragons. I could keep going on. Like no, like it's what there's either shock that sucks or stuff that I'm not really into and so to actually have you guys like experience that as it went down like what the hell is this and whoa it's awesome right we don't I don't really get that very often because I'm well, not that's not my so it's very cool for when I did find it like even though it wasn't well because the, the, the 80s was a different time frame because yeah. that was kind of the vibe was how outrageous can you be but right. the crew were very smart and that they changed their gimmick every record right Right, every single one. No. So they started out with kind of like the post-apocalyptic thing, which was very popular at the time. Because if you look at the uh, 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 "Too Young to Fall in Love" video, exactly the same as "Kisses Lick It Up" video. The same. They're in the right. Yes. Post-apocalyptic world. You know. Well, that's the look that everybody remembers. Their first first look was from Too Fast for Love, mm-hmm. which was eighty-one. That takes you up to eighty-three, and that was just a very kind of like. Indie wrestler, indie <laughs> rock and roller kind of look where they just you know stole whatever they could out of a you know yeah, yeah, out like of a store and just wore it on stage. Leather they, pants, leather yeah. jacket, a couple <laughs> right. dog collars with studs yeah, on them, yeah. that sort of a thing. But that, but, that, but see that, that like to go back and find that record after Shout at the Devil came out for me, Too Fast for Love, and Shout at the Devil definitely my favorite two Motley Crue records. 
What about you, Bubba? No doubt. Nick? Golf? <sighs> I, I, Whatever your name is. <laughs> <laughs> those, uh, those two I love. Man, I, I like those two. Just There's an extra grimy sound to uh, like Shout at the Devil that I like. That's just, it's not, I don't know. It seems like it wasn't like taped so perfectly or something. There's something cool wow. and, and grimy about it that I really like. And I, there's a million other songs that they'll play at all their concerts that are their pop songs or whatever, like theoretically on the radio that I'm like, ah, these are cool, but they don't like. Right. That was, there's dirtier. not some grumble to it that those are, those are the fun ones. I don't know. I think because, you know, it's, it's the typical story of they were young and pissed off. Yeah. And like, it's the best. Had no money and we're just fighting against the world. And that's one thing I always loved about the crew. And, and we'll get to this why they bugged me with their last few years is that they really were like so us against the world and we're Motley Crue and we don't care what anybody thinks about us. We're going to do it our way and make it our way. Right. And as a kid, you, you got behind that. And, and and appreciated that. It's it's actually the whole mentality that helped me become a successful wrestler because mm. Nikki was that angry songwriter who was it's me and my band against the world and no matter what I have to do to make it work, I'm going to become memorable. And I kind of took that same kind of approach in my wrestling career with the Dudleys, me and Devon together, and I'm I'm happy and proud to say that it worked. So. I mean, Nikki Six was my hero growing up, mm-hmm. you know, um, so that whole attitude that they had, I, I believe it was real anger. I and agree. When you have that real anger and it comes out in your music, that's what made them so successful. I agree with it, too. I, I always, I always, and once again, we'll get to why this bugs me, because I always felt that Nikki was, was legit. Like, rock and roll was rock and roll, and there was rock stars, and there was this and other thing. I felt the same vibe from Paul Stanley. Actually, Paul and Nick were very similar. Both of them were troubled kids with troubled families, but they believed in themselves. They believed in their band. They wrote the songs, and it just seemed real with Nikki Six. And then the rest of the band, too. We all love Motley Crue, but right. I just the key to me was, like, that guy's legit. You know, I like yeah. him. God. Guys, I... I, I used to veer toward uh, Vince a little because you had this whole not giving a shit attitude and wanting to rock and not care. And then they also – this guy's voice was so high and cool and still <laughs> rocked somehow. And and then as they went from, like we said before, like all black into the glam cool look, it's like, hey, not only can we do this and make this work, we can look like whatever the hell we want. Mm-hmm. And, and like Bubba said, I – kind of use that in my wrestling of you know what if i'm good enough i'll do whatever the hell i want you could still have the anger and you want to stand out and be different and go i'm great at this screw you guys you know what i mean i'll look and sound like whatever i want and i'm sure at some point what you were saying is the later years you you become so successful there's what are you rebelling against you know what i mean right, right, right. i don't know hard to rebel against yeah. your limo driver yeah it's a, it's a different life <laughs> your gardener and here's an interesting point about motley Crue's anger i'm like one of those Die hard crew fans that, you know, I could tell you what time they, you know, took a crap, you know, in, in 1987. <laughs> Motley Crue was such an angry band because at its core, Motley Crue is not a rock and roll band. They're a punk band. Mm. Oh. Nicky was a huge punk fan. He was a huge fan of the dolls and the whole punk scene. And that's what he tried to bring across um, into the crew. And with Too Fast for Love, they have a lot of punk like undertones to them. Um, and, and I believe that's where their anger stems from. Even to the very last show, they played Anarchy in the UK. 
you know, right. Sex yeah, Pistols yeah. cover. And I always liked that about Nikki too. Like, you know, Motley Crue's gimmick was like you said, Dolph. They could do whatever they wanted, but Nikki always like you know he put the war paint on, or he'd put right. on like unless face paint or corpse makeup or whatever it was. Uh, yeah. But it always made sense. <laughs> right. Nikki Six could wear whatever he wanted to wear. Yeah, yeah. You know, and <laughs> and the rest of the band had like Vince Neil, ultimate. 80s rock and roll frontman, blonde hair, <laughs> sings high, super handsome, super good looking. Like the, every guy in that band, with the exception of Mick Mars, he's always looked a little bit rough. But they always look like this is the quintessential rock and roll right. heavy metal band, you know. <laughs> and it's funny because, like I said, like you see them now, and they still, from day one to the day they retired, they still always look like rock stars. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Yeah. You know, they never did the dress it down type of thing. Yeah, no always rock and roll. You went to a Motley Crue show, they looked the part, they sounded the part, they gave you the show that you expected to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they are rock stars. I, I'll go as far as say, like, Nikki is our generation's Keith Richards, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, um, guy that stands out. And died. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Heroin addict. Yeah, right. Exactly. Who else can, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool that you can die twice and come back and, you know, Jeez. you know, talk about it and Brag write about it, <laughs> write about it and you have a number one selling book on you know, the New York yeah. Times. You know, I like seller. a lot of the people are like, you know, like there's no way that Nikki's telling the truth because if you're on that much heroin, you wouldn't remember all that. There's no way. Uh, that is definitely things that crossed my mind when I read the heroin diaries. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how can you get this banged up every single night on such a heavy drug like heroin and still have this type of memory? Yeah. Uh, and, and live to tell about it. Right. So right. That's, yeah, you yeah. wonder, like, but that's, but that's the thing, too. He's the ultimate, uh, you know, showman. And if there's a little bit of exaggeration yeah. in there, it's like being in the wrestling business. <laughs> Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, right? Exactly. <laughs> what was your first Motley Crue concert, Bubba? Um, when they opened for Ozzy. Wow. Oh. And that's the, that's the tour that put them on the map because Ozzy took them out um, when Motley first put out Shout at the Devil. And the story from those shows were that Motley blew Ozzy away and they put on such a great show and everybody, you know, went back home and was, you know, buying the albums and talking about Motley Crue. So that was a hell of a show. What did you think? Did you think that they blow Ozzy away? They they were awesome. They were phenomenal. Hmm. Um, I wasn't, you know, I didn't know every single Ozzy song at the time. So I was just mesmerized by them, you know, when I saw Did you know the crew when you went there? Yes. I had just gotten into them. Okay. So... How about you? Man. Oh, who, first of all, oh, yeah. okay, Ozzy, who was, who was your first? I am way, way That's not right. in the, the Vegas cool, Yeah, Yeah, it's the Vegas residency. It was the first time I saw him live because, I, like I said, I finally had someone to go with me to a concert. So and, that's cool. Uh, so you, yeah. were you, you were a fan for a while and long, finally get the chance Longest to time, and we have weird schedules. You guys know the travel yeah. we do. and the, uh, Even when they're like, hey, they're in Phoenix. Like, yeah, I'm nowhere near there. It's, it's, yeah. it's a, bu- a bummer. But like, oh, Vegas, they did a residency where they stayed somewhere for a couple straight days. It's like, I can make it on a Thursday. And uh, my buddy Brad, uh, we came out and checked him out. And no opener, no nothing. Just... It was badass. And they actually played a couple of songs that they don't play anymore. Not the ones that, like, not some of my favorite ones, but he at least. Uh, well, it was really, what they do, like, on with the show for a while or something? Or? I wish I had seen them. That's, <laughs> what, that's one of my favorite ones, and they don't play anything they, like that they anymore. They did Too Fast for Love. They've done okay. On with the Show. They've done. Um, 
I think mm-hmm. they, did they do Red Hot for a little they, bit? They've done they, Red Hot. They, they opened came back, with Red Hot in uh, When they Vegas. came back on the Carnival Red of, Hot? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When they came back with Carnival of Sins, they tried to do a lot of things that they hadn't done before just because Vince's voice was kind of fresh again. Mm-hmm. And they, he, they, he, they could get away with doing some of those songs. But as time went on, he just, you know. I guess well, that's the funny thing, too. Like, I was listening to a uh, Paul Stanley a cappella vocal track from, from the Crazy Nights record. Um, just the other day I found on YouTube and it, he sings so high it's incredible his control his power but he can't sing like that anymore and Vince can't sing the way he used to when you sing that high it is hard to maintain that when you get into your 50s and your 60s however old Vince is those melody lines are so I don't blame him for not being able to sing like that anymore because that's hard that's, you know, I I like my favorite thing at the concerts is by me and my three friends. We'll just we'll sing along to all the words, and uh, like Bubba was saying before, like you get used to say, singing it how Vince sings the words, which <laughs> isn't the words, which is fine. But it's I don't know how they do for so many years. I think for fifteen years they all have their side projects. So even when they're not singing and touring full time. He's still singing right. half the crew songs and whatever else. He just did a, a I don't show know how like he does two days that. ago, yeah. Vince. He's I, back on tour already with the solo how, band. How do you how do you do that? I, and still sound as cool as he does like, mm-hmm. after all the stuff they've Non-stop. been through? Like, can you imagine this? They did this big, long, huge farewell tour. So two Can't years wait to be done. Whatever. See you later. And 10 days later, yeah. 16 days later, he's on stage singing the same songs. The same ones. I just think that Vince is in a perpetual state of touring. Yeah. The, the, the road is his home. Yeah. I think financially he needs to do it, even though they just came off this extremely successful tour. And I think Vince, this is Vince's way of telling Nikki to go f*** himself <laughs> and the rest of the guys in the band. Because of the business end of the deal, when Motley Crue was put back together, Vince was brought back as an employee really? of the band. No. Yes, as a, uh, as, a, as a hired gun, basically. He's a hired gun. So wow. when they put this band back together, wow. basically they would have to clear their schedule with Vince. And if Vince wanted to do the shows, then the tour went on. Ah, so, so it he was had a, the power for that. It's a very interesting, like behind the you know closed doors business situation of the way the crew ran. It was no longer an equal twenty five, twenty five, twenty five. Wow. You know. That's interesting. Yeah, because yeah. you know obviously very famous stories mm-hmm. that Motley Crue signed a huge record deal in like 1992 with let's say Sony for like whatever it was 21 million 21 million and then the next day or the next week either Vince is fired or he quits we still don't know what it is <laughs> so they go into this huge 20 million dollar record deal with no singer yep primal <laughs> scream had just come out mm-hmm. and you know Dr. Feelgood was so successful right um, and went huge. number one I mean monster monster album monster tour and I remember the first time I heard Primal Scream on the radio, I'm like, wow, they are so, they're hitting on all cylinders right now. This is like, Primal Scream was a song like to the next level for Motley Crue that I, I was so into. And then all of a sudden, Vince is gone. Vince is gone. <laughs> Did he get fired? Did he quit? You know, n- nobody knows. I don't know. know. Yeah. Uh, you might know. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> it's one of those ones where it's like, you know, you can't quit because you're fired. You can't fire me because I quit. I don't yeah. think they really even know. <laughs> What happened there? You know, I was going to ask you though before we get into that era of Motley Crue, how was it for you going to see Motley Crue for the first time? Oh, it was. It I was. Mean, were you a twelve-year-old kid? Very cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I I felt like it, and uh, it was cool because it's the Vegas residency, so it's this little arena, like twenty-five hundred people or yeah. something. So it's really cool, really intimate, and uh, it, it was great. I uh, I like I said, we all would would meet up and sing these songs, and halfway through. I, my voice would be gone. I don't know how he does it for all the years he does it, but it's it, it was awesome, man. And 
I, I'm all about the showmanship, shooting flames, fiery pentagram, everything. That stuff's great, but I just I love the music so much that towards the last couple of years on this last tour, when we saw them, uh, this group of my friends and I, three or four times in the last year and a half, and they weren't the best shows I've ever seen, mm-hmm. but it was about... I got us all vest made. We, you know, we <laughs> flat iron our hair, put the makeup on, and just go rock out and sing these songs because they're great. And on the way there, we'd play all the songs that they wouldn't play and yeah. uh, that are the good ones, and then go <laughs> hear them rock out. So to see them that very first time in that setting was awesome. We, I was in town for two nights just because it was, you get two days off with WWE, and uh, someone goes, "Hey, you want to go see these guys again?" I got tickets. I was like, "Yeah, what the hell? Let's go see them again." So I'm a second time. Had the same experience. You've seen them a lot since the, <laughs> the last you couple and of I years. Saw each other at the Hollywood Bowl. That's right. That's one of my favorite shows I've ever been to. That's probably my favorite crew one, without a doubt. It was a great show. Uh, we, I, I like Poison anyway, yeah, and, uh, and I only calls. caught a couple songs uh, toward the, the end of the Dolls because uh, I don't know. I was, thinking, I was stuck at Cabo Cantina across the street or something. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Poison and Motley Crue, two of my favorites, and like that outdoor show, and it seemed like everybody kicked ass that night. And it was uh, yeah, it was just a good night for that music on that tour and Poison in their own right is a pretty big band yeah you know Brett Michaels you know nothing bad to say about him but that night Poison was great but you could see just how much the crew outclassed Poison like they killed them yeah and you forget as much as we are like kind of out of the crew they're still Motley Crue is the best if I can paraphrase myself is the best in the world at what they do for that era and that time, they do, yeah. there is not a better rock and roll band from that 80s if you want to use the glam era right. or hair band era, whatever it may be. Cruise the top of the heat. And probably the second band out of that era is Poison. And those bands went out there every night to outdo each other. And Motley sounded phenomenal, probably better right. than they've ever you know, heard them, hear them in the past, you know, 10 years or so. And, you know, it, it, it was great for the fans because they had great shows. Um, my first crew show was, and this is how, this is how quickly they, they got over. Shout Out the Devil is 83. They're opening for Ozzy. They're opening for Kiss. 85 is when Theater of Pain came out. They came to Winnipeg and sold out the arena. And the opening band was, uh, it was supposed to be Y&T, but it was Autograph. <laughs> Turn up the radio. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember being on the floor, and the bass player's name was Randy Rand. <laughs> and he, he was pointing at it. me. And I was like, he's pointing at me. And my friend beside me was like, no, he's pointing at me. <laughs> my friend beside me, no, he's pointing at me. It's like going to the strip club. That stripper's looking yeah. at me. I don't know if she's looking at me. I just, yeah. just like, She likes me, bro. Direction. Yeah, I can yeah. tell. But I remember that the, it was the first time uh, with Tommy and his, his crazy drum set. And this tour, the, the, the riser kind of went up. Like uh, I'm trying to, I don't even know how you would explain that. It went up like, uh, like up in the uh, theater of pain. Yeah, ninety degree angle. Ninety degree angle. (laughs) And when it came up there, I was like, oh, that's so cool. And uh, for some reason, I kind of had an obscure view of the um, of the drum riser when it came up, and there was a word written on it. And I said, that's really cool. He said, he has he has welcome written on it. Like he's 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 welcoming the fans. (laughs) Welcome. My friends didn't say welcome. He says, eat me. He said, "Welcome." That's great. He's being oh, so nice. He's what a nice guy. Welcome, Tommy yeah. Lee's a great fellow. <laughs> Eat <Welcome>. me. <laughs> but so that that, that was that, that was my because uh, like I haven't seen crew. I didn't go to the farewell tour. 
I think the last time I saw them was with you at the the Hollywood Bowl. That's the best memory to have, Dan. What a best show I've ever been to. Uh, Both those bands were great and very different, but they rocked, man. And also, you said they were trying to outdo themselves. That's what makes it great. And the cruise show, I remember Nikki had the microphone stand that kind of hung from the ceiling. He would swing on it, and they had the guys come out at the end with the (laughs) smoke bombs and the coveralls for Einecker in the UK. And as as lazy as they get (laughs) set-wise, which... Makes me right. crazy. Uh, they always put effort into the show, and that's all that matters. Yeah. You don't. You when you go home, you go home with a huge smile on your face because you know you just saw a spectacle. You just saw something. Molly Crew aren't the greatest musicians in the world. They they never have been. They never will be. Vince is not the greatest singer, but they put so much emphasis on their show that the songs can just be okay. You're gonna go home <laughs> and just. Wow, I had a great time yeah. at the Motley Crue show. Right. Um, you know, there's a reason why Motley Crue can continue to sell out 20,000-seat arenas and Rush sells out 5,000-seat arenas. Well, Rush is 20,000, too. You use, you use- I said that on purpose just to see the reaction, <laughs> and I got exactly what I wanted. <laughs> I was like, hold on a second yeah. there, Mr. Crue boy. Yeah. <laughs> all right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas. See? Already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. All right, here we go with Bubba Dudley and Dolph Ziggler talking about Motley Crue. Here's one thing, though, talking about the musicianship of the crew, and and you're right, but Tommy Lee, man, that guy was their secret weapon. You know, good-looking guy, typical skinny, weighs 100-pound rock guy. Hey, dude, what's up, dude? But that guy behind the kit, his groove is second to none. That's one thing I always noticed about the crew, how good he was. And, Agreed. And then all of his, his, his showmanship and his tricks. Did right. you see, I mean, did you see the, the last tour? The re, 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 Yes. So tell us about the, the Crucifly. I never mm-hmm. got to see it. You, you probably, you go first because I, I have a little different take. Well, the, the the whole idea, you know, Tommy always tried to outdo himself with his drum solos, yeah. as we know, since Theater of Pain. And he has wanted to do this roller coaster thing for the longest time. So I remember I th- reading about it like in Circus Magazine. Yeah, I mean, like he, eight or I think he wanted to do it as early as Dr. Feelgood. Well, let's just go wow. through it. So, 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 so um, Theater of Pain was the 90 degree angle. Correct. 
the girls, 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 girls. Was that the spinning one? The spinning one. That was yeah. cool. And yep. that was Dr. Feelgood. Dr. Feelgood was the... Oh, I know. Wait. It went up and went over the crowd. Over the oh, audience. Yeah. And then he bungee jumped off it. <laughs> that's no, wait. That's I, where he, he bungee jumped. That's real. He, no, he did. Yeah, he bungee jumped off that. one and he broke his foot. Because in New Haven, Connecticut, the bungee snapped and he fell. Oh, my Shut up. God. Yeah. He um, fell from yeah, the sunrise. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. He, Forty he, feet in the, the air. The rope dropped, oh and it, it, and um, and he and he hit the stage really hard, like he fractured his foot or something. His foot, he landed on his head. Come on, Doctor Feelgood. Now I'm. He uh, did that ninety degrees. Feelgood. It yeah. went over because he was playing back in black and a bunch of different drum riffs and stuff. That's right. It went. It was it went over the crowd. Yeah, yeah, it just went over the crowd. And yeah, then yeah. at the end, he bungee just so the bungee yeah. broke. Yeah. Come oh on. My yeah. God. How did he not die? I guess it like broke with him like five feet left to fall, but it fell. It's it, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he did that, and then was there any other tricks? What well, then on like Carnival of Sins, he did something where he had two different drum sets like, like 30 feet in the air. One was like these Jamaican kettlebells, mm. and then the other drum kit was like all this electronic jump drums. But getting back to the original question, he always wanted to do the roller coaster. Right. But I guess they couldn't figure out how to get this roller coaster to be able to fly from every arena that he wanted to do it. I guess they just didn't have the, to, the technology or the, the mechanics. There, right? Yeah. And then they finally figured out a way. And, you know, it, it, it's a hell of a spectacle. No other drummer that I think it could possibly, you know. So he would go on like an actual roller coaster and would like loop de loop and stuff. Yeah, I guess <laughs> the roller coaster went straight up in the air and then it went out and it, you know and and he'd be playing the whole time, playing the whole out time. and into hills and then almost like a new age roller coaster. He's going up and down in the in the hills over everyone and he's also spinning inside it gyroscope wise. So it's crazy and uh, and it's. That's a really cool part of it, and no one's ever done anything like that. And like I said, the last this last two year tour, I went four times. Okay. So when it came down to Tommy's drum solo, it was time for me to go get a beer and go to the bathroom because I I, I knew that. that everyone's like, oh, taking pictures and everything. Like, I've seen it. It's all about the showmanship and the shooting flames out of Nikki's guitar and him doing the roller coaster thing. And I'm like, this is great. So that that's the because I need to time out uh, my pee breaks because uh, you have a couple <laughs> drink a lot of beers, a couple, yeah. couple drinks at the show. Enjoy yourself. So I go. Oh, he's doing it. Cool. Watch him for a second. Run to the bathroom. And, of course, the last show, the it breaks before he finished. What? So he gets almost all the way through or halfway or whatever. And um, everyone's like, oh, my God, he got stuck. He got stuck. He's stuck. Yeah. And it took a couple of minutes. And then he, he got back down. And they said, hey, we could uh, finish it off or something. He goes, ah, no, just get me the hell off here. So he goes back. They restart the show. And... I'm pretty sure because of the delay, we might have lost a song on the show. I'm not sure because I wasn't 100% coherent at the time. But from what we all discussed, it was like, oh, it was like a five or seven minute extra part. And I go, did they play this? No, I don't know. Did they play this? So and was he stuck like just uh, on the track? I think he was up in the air over the crowd and wow. possibly spinning upside down for a second. He but but he's nuts. And that that's happened a couple other times. And it's just... I. Just, I would be scared for my life. I'm sure he was just like, yeah, whatever. Just the spinning motion and upside down, like, you know, from wrestling, maybe just spinning in a circle once or twice makes yeah. me start feeling sick. The fact that he could even do that. He's drumming insane. along with some songs and stuff, and it's, it's, a, it's unreal. Yeah. And, and the show they do is great. And But uh, I'm so – I understand that part to get everyone in the building. I'm, I'm, we're, my friends and I were a little bit over that part where they're – Sure, for the but music, he, he you know. couldn't fit the the roller coaster in every arena, right? Yeah, there was. Did you ever see a show that he didn't get? to Yeah, see I, I have, and uh, it just he 
didn't. I don't think he did anything. Uh, it was a couple of, like there was a an outdoor arena in Handel, New Jersey, or something. I think I told Holmdel, you. Holmdel, Holmdel, yeah, Holmdel. yeah. The PNC, PNC yep. Center, yeah. And uh, we ended up making a trek out there to to Isn't see that with him. Uh, yeah. Oh no, he oh. went the first night. Oh, okay. Uh, at the Be- Jones Beach, but then uh, we made it out there and we took a couple different trains, not knowing the New York transit system at all and we made it out there and they had it was like one of those you know outdoor amphitheater yeah yeah, amphitheater show and we got really close but it's like a small stage and it has a roof they had nothing it almost seemed like a a small intimate concert setting so he did nothing but it was great because you know we're right there for it what how was uh, sobroski of course is zach right what what did he think of uh of motley crew not really your typical motley crew fan right uh well it just worked out that somehow months out i go oh my god it's like a thursday or something that we can actually make it and i go he's like hey would you want to go he's like i don't know yeah i'll go it's funny quickly how our whole lives (laughs) revolve around if something's on a tuesday or or wednesday thursday wednesday thursday maybe friday Friday, okay i I might be able to make that like cool they have a two-year tour i can get to six shows i think i went to four and it's like never in my hometown never anywhere i want to go worked out yeah it worked out on this hey it's a thursday or something in new york he goes yeah what the hell i'll go and the best thing was we all got t-shirts and he went and got one for his girlfriend who didn't like the music either and well not that he didn't like it he knows girls 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 so yeah (laughs) he knows that part of that song (laughs) and uh so we had a blast i just remember we go to the the gift shop and we all grabbed t-shirts and like i asked to borrow their scissors we can cut the sleeves off obviously and he's he came back and they're like hey so how you enjoying the concert he goes best 135 dollars ever spent because he got his girlfriend <laughs> a bandana and a shirt yeah and he just he knows girls 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 so but we were very lucky in um at jones beach we were really far away because a friend uh got me some tickets and i was like man these tickets are I was told they were kind of going to be good. This is this sucks. We're so far away from everything. And then on the encore, um, "Home Sweet Home," I was this to here to the band because they have that. Uh, oh, they come out the cruise the nest all, way off in the back, ah. and we were right there. And uh, Brad Attitude's girl, who's soon to be his wife, uh, caught a drumstick from Tommy because we were nice. five feet away from these guys. And to see that just for. Home Sweet Home was pretty awesome. That was that's unreal. Yeah. So let's go through some of the the, the the concert years because, like we said, like for us, Bubba, you and I went. I'm sure you went to all of them too. Theater Pain went to see that. Girls, Girls, Girls went to see that. Uh, White Snake opened that tour. Yes. Nice. And um, I remember because David Coverdale had the shits. <laughs> <laughs> Halfway through That's one of the songs, he said, excuse me, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I have to take care of a problem. And then he came back on the stage. He's like, I've got the shits. Oh, my God. And that's the tour that put White Snake back on the map. Well, yeah, that was the 87 yeah. White Snake mm-hmm. tour, and yep. that was a big one for our mm-hmm. album. Then Girls, 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 which was, once again, huge. I think maybe Tesla opened that one, maybe, or something like this. Okay. And then Vince leaves. Did you ever see Crew with John no, Karabi? Vince left after Dr. Feelgood. Yeah, so I said the Feelgood tour. And then the next tour was, was with, with, with John Karabi. Yes. Did you see that tour? No. Okay. <laughs> Still technically the best Motley Crue album out there. <laughs> Let's see, we've been did, telling you this, doll. Did you not see that on purpose? Or it just didn't work out that you went and saw them? I like, don't remember. And actually, I want to take that back. I might have seen them in the Mid-Hudson Civic Center with Karabi. No, I didn't. It was with Vince. Um, yeah. I never saw them with Karabi. And I don't remember why I didn't see them. Uh-huh. I saw them in Knox. So here's the thing. And this is like... Another reason, the crew never broke up. There was some guys leaving, but they had some lean years in the 90s, just like all of our favorite bands did. So the last time I saw them was in Winnipeg Arena, you know, sold out 13,000 people. Next time I saw them was four years later in Knoxville at a place that I think was called, I think it was like the Knoxville State Theater with probably 800 people. Yep. 
What? And, yeah. And no roller coaster drums. <laughs> yeah. Confetti cannons. <laughs> Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh, they, man. They, because I saw them at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center, now that we're talking about it, and it's such a scaled-down show. You kind of felt like, well, I'm not at the, you know, I'm I'm not with the cool kids anymore. Yeah. My band is not uh, the best band in the world anymore. Kind of thing. <laughs> what did you think of that record when it first came out? Which one? The Motley Crue, Motley Crue, Karabi one. Yeah. I'll never forget. I was working at a car dealership, and the record store opened up at like nine o'clock. I was there at nine o one. I got the CD. I unwrapped it. I put it in, and I was miserable. <laughs> I was like, "What is this yeah. swill?" Because <laughs> I. I mean, just such a different sound that not only obviously the lead singer's voice, John Karabi, so much different than Vince's, but musically, this was a um, maybe a darker, grungier kind of Motley Crue. But after it took me about 10 years to realize as I matured and, you know, listened to more and more music that. It's the best Motley Crue album out mm-hmm. there from it's, a musical point of view. From a songwriting standpoint, from Correct. a musical point of view. And I don't know if you haven't even heard it. You refuse. I, I, I pleasantly refuse. Let, let me have my memories. Uh, <laughs> I, remember, I remember this. So here, and here's to show you what kind of a world we live in at the time. Once again, I was in Knoxville. I was working for Smoky Mountain Wrestling uh, at the time. Same thing. Went to the record store because two albums came out that day. <laughs> One was Motley Crue, Motley Crue, new singer. The other one was Pantera, Far Beyond Driven. And that's so Lance what got the Pantera one when he went there? <laughs> it's not horrible. <laughs> but that's what they were up against at this point in time. And I'll never forget oh, the first man. song is a song called Power Power to the Music. And it goes bow down 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 and then Tommy comes in and I thought it was gonna go bow but it's halftime. Bow go down the and it's like this is the best sound garden song Oh no. You know? That's what it basically was. Yes. They were they were they were I don't know if trying to compete or and then they did the thing too. They did almost what Van Halen did. They didn't go for a David Lee Roth imitator. They went for Sammy, who had a completely different sound. Uh, same with ACDC. They didn't go for a Bon Scott sound alike. And that's what Crew did. They didn't go for a Vince guy. Right. They went the other side of the coin. Karabi's very dark and gritty and ballsy type of a vocalist. But, and this was also the first time that Nicky actually had to write with a co-songwriter. And Mick had to play with another guitarist. And Karabi is a pretty accomplished Good songwriter. Point, yeah. So he gave them a depth that they never had before and from everything that i understand he really pushed them musically to write better songs and when you go back and you listen to these songs from a musical point of view or a songwriting point of view they are they have more depth than any motley Crue song out there it's a great great record but it's a grower. At the time, nobody wanted to hear that yeah, from yeah. Molly Crew. No way. Like I said, it took about 10 years for it to grow on me. I almost remember thinking, like, they should have just changed the name of the band. <laughs> just to the crew or something or, along yeah. those lines, you know? God. But that happened to all those bands at that time. Like, Iron Maiden got a new singer, and Priest got a new singer, Jeez. and Crew gets a new singer. Like, everybody's breaking up and all this sort of stuff. Um, but then the other side of the coin is, did you ever hear Vince's solo record, Exposed? Uh, I've heard a couple of his songs. Okay, I, I, not the whole album. No. That was more in the vibe of of Kuro. Did you hear that record, brother? Exposed is a great album. I think it's a great record because yeah. he has a tremendous, he has a tremendous backup band. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's got Steve Stevens on guitar, which yeah. right off the bat, Steve Stevens was Billy Idol's guitarist, mm-hmm. and he's played with just about everybody. Um, 
great player, wrote some great songs on that. Yep. You know, he had th- that album sounds great. It almost sounds like another Motley Crue album because yes. Vince is singing. So, um, and the style of the music too, it's way more. You know, eat my cake, have your cake and eat it too is one of the songs, and fine, fine wine, and you know, uh, you know, poker in the front, liquor in the rear, or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Sis- from, from, from Sister of Pain. Sister of Pain. Yeah. Oh, God. Poker in the yeah, poker in the front, liquor. In the rear. <laughs> or it might have been liquor in the front, poker in the right, rear. Yeah. Does it really matter? No. Either way, it's a big Johnson T-shirt. That's lyrics. <laughs> so great. God. But yeah, his, I, I thought Vince's first solo album went really, really well. His second one was just god awful. Yeah, um, god awful. Yeah, but he was also going through the death of his daughter at the right, time, right. also. So, but um, once again, Vince and, and not to interrupt, you, Vince took off huge because he went on tour with Van Halen. Yes, which a lot of people don't remember. Would have oh. Bill that would have been Van Halen uh, and Vince Neil singing, you know, same as he always does, all crew songs. Right. Yeah. But you know, he he like, like much like David Lee Roth when he split with Van Halen, he had a pretty big push right off the start. Oh yeah. But I don't think it really flew as far as, as they thought it would go, you know? Did you ever get a chance to meet anybody from the crew uh, in that era or in any era? I, tr- I tried my hardest this last tour on several different occasions. Our VIP meet and greet people uh, intertwined with their VIP meet and greet people. And the, the best story I could, I could possibly get is uh, one, months out, they reach the requirement. They don't give a shit. They don't want the money. They don't want to do it. They don't like each other. They showed me uh, – our VIP people showed me a picture of them. You don't get Tommy in it because all four of them won't do them together. And then when you get the three of them, Mick's there, Nikki's in the middle, and Vince is six feet off to the side like looking away. And they show me these pictures. Of, really? But like they, it's, it's hard, man. I go, what can I do? What can I offer them? I go – can I pay the money? They're like, no, they don't want to be there. They don't want to do it. And some days, if they don't feel like it, they just walk out halfway through it. And it's, uh, wow. So, I mean, they still got that cool attitude from being younger. But, see, but, see, but that's it's, not it's, cool, though. No, of course. It's the worst. Because you know? now, it's, now it's a business. Now it's this brand. Now it's so, give these guys the, what, what they want to do. Like, a, do a meet and greet. Like, if you're going to get the money, like, let everybody have some fun. Right, know? right. I don't yeah, know. Because, you, you know, you, you don't have to be friends, but if you're in this business, in a, in a business relationship to do it, well, make people, it a good people one. People are paying a lot of money for that too. Like I know, yeah. like even for our VIPs with Fozzie or even in WWE, the ones that we have to do. Yeah. Hey, sometimes you don't feel like doing it, but when you get in front of those people, you better f- act like you're the most happiest you've ever been, right? And make them leave with a smile on their face because those are your hardest of hardcore fans yeah. that are paying hundreds of dollars to come see you, and that's not cool. I don't, I don't, no, buy that. I don't like it. You know. And with those guys, like. WWE is pretty good about making tickets 15 bucks, you know, so you can bring family and stuff. These guys, those tickets, I can't remember how many thousands of dollars it was, but I tried to get it and I they were not interested. They didn't care. They go, yeah. we don't even want to do it anyway. So there's a, there's a story that I just recently heard to follow up on. Dolph just said, you could pay $10,000 and bring your base to the show. And Nikki will sign the bass and actually play a song on your bass for 10 G's. Oh my gosh. And I found and the, and I heard that there were nights where he was in such a bad mood that four or five guitars just sat there and he didn't want to play them. Just threw 40 or 50 grand away. Yeah. No big deal. Don't care. Wow. I'm, in, I'm in my Nikki 6 mood and yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah. 
and I and I've met all of them, and I and I've had unique experiences with Tell all. Us. I mean, there's just so many. I met. Did when you the, meet them after you were already had some fame? I or? met Tommy Lee during theater of pain at Yankee Stadium, and he was so cool to me at a baseball game. Heather Locklear kissed me on the cheek. What? Yeah, Whoa. I was chasing Tom. The entire Yankee Stadium is popping because Heather Locklear was there. <laughs> And I'm popping because Tommy Lee is there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. chasing Tommy Lee through the hallways just to get his autograph. And I ripped off a, a hot dog box cover or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And he pulled me into a room and he signed an autograph for me. And he, I was like, a li- you know, I was, you know, I don't know, I, don't know, I was like 15, 16 at the time. And Heather Locklear was like, wow, you know, you got something really cool there. You know, good for you. And she kissed me on the cheek and Tommy Lee was like, whoa, that's better than the autograph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I was met, you know, t- meeting Tommy was a great experience. Meeting, I I met Nikki probably about four or five times, and each time was disappointing until the last time I met him. Sign guy Dudley, who's out in Vegas, he runs Cirque du Soleil out there. The the residency that Motley did, I was at those shows also, and sign guy was taking care of Nikki's family. So he got me a one-on-one with Nikki. Nice. I got to hang out with him for like 10, 15 minutes, and he was super cool. He was super cordial. And at least I got that as That's a last cool. <laughs> memory of meeting my idol. Because every time else, was just I just totally blown off. Just backstage? Yeah. Or? yeah. Backstage, or you're just even saying, you know, hello, just kind of like not even getting eye contact or anything like that. And then Vince has always been super cool. Mm. I mean, hung out with him in... Uh, in uh, this, in Saitama, Saitama Super Arena in Japan, we, when we saw them there, you saw them in Japan. Yeah, what were you wow. over there? For? All there for all Japan, and uh, a bunch of me, Devon, Baldo, a bunch of the guys went to the show. Devon went. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Devon's actually a, a, a he's a metal guy. He's a metal guy. He's a huge Maiden. Maiden fan. Yeah, he loves Maiden. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we all went to go see Motley, you know, uh, in Japan. So yeah, good good times and. Like I said, uh, meeting them is definitely interesting. I um, I worked for Nikki for two years. I had a radio show on. He had a, a Sirius XM channel, Six Sense, for for a little while, and I was on that uh, on his channel doing doing my rock 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 of Jericho was my podcast. Talk is Jericho. Yeah, this is called the Rock of Jericho. You have so many shows that yeah, you I can't remember. Which is which. Yeah. What's your name again? <laughs> so. Um, so I, I, and I, I worked for him for two years, and I have zero, zero uh, time with him and, and no contact with him. And the one time I met him was at his studio over in Century City, and I just went and said hi to him for a couple of seconds. Like, hey, boss, how you doing? And he's like, hey. And somehow he started talking about John Karabi. He's like, I'd rather have a penguin on stage. At least the penguin would have more charisma than Karabi had. And that was my conversation with Nikki, <laughs> that you'd rather have a penguin singing for you than John Karabi. Okay, and then the other time I went and saw. So after seeing the crew in Knoxville at this little theater, I then saw them in about two thousand or ninety nine at the uh, Ruth Eckert Hall in Tampa, which is about a fifteen hundred seater. And this was wow. after Vince returned. Remember we talked about this. Yeah. What was the catalyst to bring them back to an arena level? Because at this point, Tommy had just got out of jail. And uh, and and backstage it was really dark and he had some incense, blue because I was I went there with uh, with Bubba the Love Sponge, and Undertaker's ex-wife who was married to Undertaker at the time Jody, and I saw uh, Mick, and he was super nice, super cool, and he was embarrassed because they didn't have anything for to sign. They had no eight by tens, and he's like, usually we have eight by tens. I'm so embarrassed, and he went to the 
bathroom and got a napkin, like a paper towel wow. to sign. And he's like, I'm really sorry, man. This is the best I can do. And he's the only guy I asked for an autograph for because <laughs> he was the only guy that seemed like he cared. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's what we're talking about, um, how this whole last tour, it just seemed, I think, that they were going to break up. And then they thought, well, instead of breaking up, why don't we have a gimmick? There's, there's too much money, whether you're being talked about or not, even uh, in saying a farewell tour or screw this, all these other farewell tours are fake. We're going to sign some paperwork, put it in a box, and make this big – it's all – honestly, I think Nikki making this brand this amazing thing, an amazing show. And whether you are a fan or some girl who has the Hot Topic t-shirt, it's like, whoa, these guys seem cool. This is their farewell tour. They're rockers. They don't even seem that old or something. And it's just – I. It's a brand and booking and gimmick and mm-hmm. maybe a good PR firm behind him. I don't know because it went from like I can't believe eight hundred seeds, fifteen hundred seeds, well, and in two thousand reunion out, tour period. Yeah, in this little theater, and then they just went because you mentioned Carnival of Sins. That was about two thousand five. Two thousand five, and that's when they kind of got back up to. When Arena they got level. back together, it was Generation Swine, right? Which was just there's only one good song on Generation Swine, in my opinion. Which that's one? Find Myself. I like it's Afraid the, as well. It's the ultimate Motley Crue song that has never yeah. been. Done. It's it's Motley Crue's version of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just the lyrics. Angry. It, it, yeah. It's you know, it, it's such a good song. But I remember being at Nassau Coliseum for their for Generation Swine, and I'm gonna see Motley for the first time. They're back together. This is awesome. And when the house lights went up in the Coliseum that seats 15,000 people, there was about 6,000. And I was like, whoa. Right. I, I, I'm not at the cool show anymore. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you right. know Nirvana has seriously screwed things well, up that, for that, all of us. That was even back. That was more corn, limp biscuit yeah. time frame oh, at that geez, point, right? Yeah. Who opened that tour? Was it, was it a big I open? I don't even remember. Right, because just, just one more thing I forgot to tell you guys about the crew show in Knoxville. You know who their opening band was? Type O Negative. Wow, that's crazy. Can you think of a more opposite band of what you'd want to see at a crew show? <laughs> yeah. But that's what they were up to at that point mm-hmm. in time. Right. But yeah, like you said, the, the, then the Generation Swine, and even the next one was the new Tattoo record. Do you have either of those records? Uh, I, Generation Swine was, I tried, to, I yeah. did not like it. I, I tried. I yeah. Just, and then Tommy left. That was when Randy, Randy Castillo. Randy Castillo. And then the chick. Remember Samantha? She was at the end. Maloney, right? Samantha Maloney. Yeah, she played with them. <laughs> that, that, that's the, what, like you say, the lean times. Yeah. Right yeah. there. They had another lean time with, when Tommy left. Yeah. Because yeah, there was lean when Karabi left and then Tommy left. But that's what I was wondering. What brought them back up to this arena status? It all goes back to the European promoters that threw uh, a crap load of money at them to get them back together. Mm-hmm. And that's when they got them all in a room and they finally put their differences aside you know, f- for the almighty dollar. And like Dolph said, I totally agree. This this past tour was all about money and it's all about Nikki keeping his machine running and milking every last dollar out of it. Tommy is sick and tired of playing these songs. He has gone on record to say it. (laughs) He's tired of playing it. He won't show up at the VIP experience and Tommy is supposed to be the coolest (laughs) out of all of them. Cool young kid, yeah. Yeah, you know? He's the big dumb puppy dog who just wants to play with everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, um, so the, the, 
they put a great gimmick on it. Yes. The the tour, the last tour, we signed contracts. Cessation of touring agreement. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) what does that mean? (laughs) Nothing means anything anyway. Who cares what it means? Because the people didn't know what it meant, but they bought into it. This is it. They signed a contract. It was CNN. It was Fox News. It was big everyone, 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 was, everyone was sending me this like do you see this i was like how is this like this right. huge of a headline like i like it but so like if they get most back of the, society doesn't if they care. decide they're gonna get back together and play they can get arrested yeah, yeah they're gonna all go to <laughs> jail all sue yeah. each other again or whatever yeah, you know, yeah. so the, 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 you know um, well, so actually like, it's a pretty good gimmick come see us yeah. before we go to jail it's, one it's more great. shot jail it's great rock. you know vince vince has had a strained relationship with all of them for the longest time see, i didn't know that they nick had basically asked his permission could go at any time nick could, right yeah nick's yeah. health is not so good. we might as well strike oil one more time while we can because you never know when this is going to happen again. Mm-hmm. They also have the dirt coming out. The, the movie's going to come out next year. So Nikki is the ultimate chess player, and I totally believe that he take he took lessons from Gene Simmons mm-hmm. when it comes to the running of a band. Gene and Paul, mm-hmm. when it comes to the running of a band and making his business successful and his brand successful, they're going to come out with that movie next year. You'll see a couple of one-off shows by Motley Crue. You think? It's not going to be a tour. What constitutes a tour? How many shows do you have to play to constitute a quote-unquote tour? What a great point. And if they wanted to do a residency, a residency is a different term. That's not a tour. That's not a tour. A tour says you're on the road. The only part that me being such a fan and seeing them over the last couple years, if if they do it again, I'm done. And not in like a because you, bitter taste in my mouth, but it's I, I I've seen like them after, right. I've seen them not care and play that great, and I, it's one thing to like all the songs, but there is a cover band across the street from my house that for five bucks will sing all the words and play uh do two hours and just right. do B sides and anything you want to hear and 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 love it and enjoy it and. I, I don't know, man. It, it's fun to to get dressed up and go see him, but I'll just go see the guys across the street from me. See, and, and that's the thing about like uh, my friend Brent Fit, Brent Fitz. He plays with Slash now. Well, not anymore, but um, he was Vince Neil's drummer for ten years in the solo band, and also his his musical director. And I would say to him, like, like, why don't you guys like Brent's like you know total like us like Motley Crue like why don't you guys do Bastard or why don't you do Danger? Or he's like he doesn't want to do them. He doesn't want to do anything new. Nothing. And I'll say, dude, we know these songs. You don't have to do anything. I'll sing backups on the chorus. You just got to learn the verses. No, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And that permeated through this last tour because it really bothered me, especially the last shows at the Staples Center. Three nights, final tour. And they didn't change the set. Not one song. They haven't changed the set since the (laughs) beginning of the tour. Really? They may have taken one or two songs out, right. but if you go back and you look at day one from the, the beginning of the end tour or the, whatever yeah. they called it yeah. to, to the last night, I, I guarantee you the deviation in set list yeah. is maybe no. a right. song maybe or two. Yeah. And not like a cool song, like, like you know... Um, piece of your action. Like, yeah, Piece of your action or, or you know, Stick to Your Guns or anything yeah. like that. Dancing Nothing cool. Class, so yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe they substitute, you know, same old situation for, uh, for you know, smoking in the boys' room, yeah. which they, for some reason, thought was a great idea to bring back. Why? <laughs> Why would you want to hear smoking in the boys' room again? When, they, when, when I saw them with you at the Hollywood Bowl, yeah. I was with James Durbin, who did something with Mick on one of his records. So we went back and talked to Mick for a bit. And they 
I guess that tour was like fans choose the gimmick. Hold of the on, tour. I don't mean to cut you off. I just realized what we sound like. What we sound like wrestling yes. marks. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course. That's what I'm trying We're to... total yeah. wrestling yeah. marks right now, yeah. burying yeah. every our favorite our favorite yeah. thing, and just going. Here's why it's wrong. Here's why it sucks. Yeah. Said as I guess the fans were choosing the set list, and I was saying that's pretty cool. Oh. It's cool except for one thing: smoking in the boys' room. He goes, "I f- hate playing that song." I'm so glad he hates I don't it. Want to play it. It's not. A good song. <laughs> it's not. I'm sick of it, but the fans love it. So right. Hey, I, I I get that, but that's also that's my uh, other bathroom break yeah. is smoking in the boys' room. Dead serious. Because you just said it, we're like hardcore yeah. Holly Crew Smarks. You know, yeah. His fans are like this Star Wars. <clears throat> fans are like this. Yeah. I did a Star Wars podcast with a bunch of other guys that like you guys that love Star Wars, and at the end, people were like, "Do you even like these movies at all?" Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's because we're, we love them so much. Yeah, we're picking it apart and and saying all the negative stuff. Here's the other cool shit: thirty five years of all of us being having these stories and loving their music and still loving it, and just right. and it's it would, would I don't know it kills me. It's like no toast to the town. The very last show, those very last three shows that you were saying, hey, you gonna there was there was potential. For anything, and everyone's like, hey, they're going to push the show back two hours, so at midnight, it's going to make it New Year's Eve, it's going to become 2016. I go, I go I, I've seen these guys for the last two years, I don't think they're going to change anything, but at least it's got to be like, hey, this is it, something, or toast to the town, here's a piece of your action. And our career. Yeah. The first song we played at the whiskey, like the very first thing, or something. Who cares? Yeah. Even if it totally sucks, it wouldn't suck, because you'd be so excited to see Yep. But the effort wasn't there. They just stopped caring. And then once going back to what we said an hour ago here, Bubba, I always believed that Nicky cared. I always believed that he was legit. And this tour felt that he wasn't. And that's why I didn't go. I didn't make a road trip to go. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think that they cared enough for me to go. I yeah. had tickets for their final show <laughs> on New Year's Eve since day one. I was going, as a matter of fact, my friends from 10 of my friends from New Jersey went to LA for the last show just because I said I was going. And as the show got closer and I thought about it and I like kind of knew I'm not going to do anything. I don't need to hear Dr. Feelgood, Girls, 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 yeah. Outside, Smoking in the Boys, yeah. or Home Sweet Home played for the umpteenth time. I've right. seen it all before. They're not going to do anything special. And that's what makes me mad. And here's why you guys will understand and agree. <laughs> we are performers. There's no difference between us and Motley no. Crue. Mm. Zero. Apples to apples, we're all performers. We've all performed in Madison Square Garden. We've all performed in the biggest arenas Stable in the world. Yeah. 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 WrestleMania is a bigger show than anything Motley Crue has ever done. We've performed at it. You mean a... You made the I stole the show at it twice. <laughs> <laughs> so, when we go out there and we give special shows. When we're in the garden, we go out there, we change stuff up. When we're at Mania, we go out there, we, we, you know, we, we go yeah. nuts. We are constantly changing the shows because we know we want to give the fans a different experience and not go on Twitter and say, okay, they did that same match last night. Right, right. Motley's playing the same freaking show. Now, I know you have pyro cues, and there's a lot of crap that goes on behind the scenes where 
you know, the show has to run a certain set list, a certain amount of time. But you can't tell me you can't take out smoking in the boys' room to play Public Enemy Number One. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if you look at a band like Metallica, for example, and they're bigger than Motley Crue. Their stage show, in a lot of ways, is just as big and just as much pyro. There's no cruise to fly, but that's not that's not, that doesn't need that because that's its own entity. Right. Metallica never plays the same show twice. Okay, Lars knows the set from the last time they were there. They change it. They have their ten songs they always do. Then they change six every night. So you could go see Metallica three nights in a row, and you'll see. I'll oh, fight fire with fire is tonight. Battery was tonight. Fuel was tonight. And the crew could have easily have done that. And it bugs me because Metallica's thirtieth anniversary shows. They played four shows. They played eighty songs in four nights, and the only song they played every night was Seek and Destroy. They learned songs they'd never played before and will never play again because it was their 30th anniversary. And when they've set that precedent, for me, for the crew to do three shows in a row in their home place in L.A. and to do the same set every night is just lazy. It's not cool. You know? They don't care care about that. They go, wow, what a great gimmick we did for this two-year run. Mm -hmm. Capped it off with three... Uh, close to sold out shows and a cool thing of an app that they'll bring the merchandise right to your seat while you're sitting there. I go, it was, it's all. <laughs> that was a, genius. It's, I go, how, how are we not using that, by the way? Wow. The, they have the, an app? The, the day before it goes, get this app. You punch in your order. Someone's going to walk over and. Uh, no and kidding. Great. I, I'm sure we'll get to it at some point, yeah, WWE, because yeah, yeah. it's a genius idea. But it just goes to show it's it's about branding and if making they care money. About that. Yeah. And but they couldn't get in a freaking rehearsal yeah. room for two hours and bang out. I mean, I, think how, I remember you telling me when they first started the tour that All Bad Things Must Die song. Like the one that's like. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, is a really cool video. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a uh, cool song, too. It goes through. I, I've been rocking it the last couple of days because it makes me laugh because, like, they didn't even put that one on their final tour anywhere because you said like the first it or was, second show. You're like, we can't even sing our nights. song right or whatever. Yeah, and then they just ended it. Yeah, they, they just stopped. They tried just to do they one look out new into song. the audience. They see everybody get up and walk away. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> so, the, but that so there's the conundrum, right? Because yeah. most people like Motley Crue on a uh, basic level, they want to see right. girls, 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 and smoke on the water, and all the ones we discussed. Guys, I'd rather like, hear smoke on the smoke water it in the boys' room. I'd rather hear smoke on the water. Deep purple smoke <laughs> on the water. You're supposed to be the. Uh, yeah, if they did do smoke, you're supposed to be the Jedi of the group. But that's what I mean. So it's like they could they could have put that the um you know it's like when you go see Kiss or Ozzy. It's like Kiss now does their own cruise. Where they play a set of just obscure stuff. You guys want to hear obscure stuff? Do you 3,000 people yeah. that don't care about Detroit Rock City will do it? Yeah. But you go to a show, and like Paul says, if we don't do Detroit Rock City because we're going to do the oath from the elder, you know, <laughs> people aren't going to like that. But on the last show, they could have done something special. Here's, here's Shout the Devil's <laughs> entirety. Man, unreal. You know, I mean, come on. If you're a Motley Crue fan and you're at the last show ever, oh, intense, right? to, to yeah. what level of fan are you? You're, yeah. You're, yeah. Okay. And by the way, you're it's also New fan. Year's Eve and in Los Angeles, so right. there's other stuff going you're on. You're committing to this. This is, you this is the night. You are your the most yeah. diehard of diehard fan <laughs> right. that has ever existed if you're at the last Motley Crue Great show. Point. On New Year's Eve. Why yeah. <laughs> can't you, as a band, you're going to tell me none of them turned around and said, let's give them one yeah. special song. On. That, one song. That goes to the point of, Nobody really cared. Yeah. And it was strictly business. It kills me to say yeah. it. Yeah. You know? You're right. That's, yeah, but it's, that's the truth. Right. 
Who I don't care. Like you said, I don't care if Vince can't sing the song good. I don't even give a shit if they put the CD on and Millie Vanilli the whole thing. I just want to hear you play Stick to Your Guns or Toast to the Town one time in my fucking life live. Right. Of being a fan for 30-odd years. They're... We're already in the building, even if it's not that case. Right. This is the diner. We're, we're already there. This isn't the start of the tour. Like, oh, they're playing some stuff we don't know. Nobody go. It's over with. Last three nights, it's you don't have to do anything special. Take one song out. I, honestly, I I don't need to hear Dr. Feelgood. No, no, no joke. Right. I don't want to hear it. Would Just either one of you cool. have the same match at WrestleMania that you would in Sheboygan? No. <laughs> No, There's no way. Your, that's and, and all it, you need to know. And let me do you one better. Would you have the same match in Madison Square Garden if we did three nights in a row there? No. Absolutely not. No. You couldn't. As a professional, I couldn't. Yeah, no way. And that's why I was like, they they had a chance to do the cool, like the coolest thing to me that I've ever seen is the Metallica 30th, where they did, like I said, 80 songs. That's never been matched. They could have done something just as cool, if not cooler. Okay, you show up, yeah. third night in, they start off with the first couple songs, then the lights go out, let's say they play in the beginning, and then they do Shout Out the Devil in its entirety. 40 minutes, that's all it takes. No. Then they wrap up with the stuff, Home Sweet Home, yeah. then they f*** off over to the whiskey and go play a Man. couple songs at the whiskey and end it there. It w- it's perfectly written. You couldn't write any better. What right. did they do? Played the same set, got in planes, and went to you know Maldives or whatever the hell they went to. <laughs> if you even pronounce it that way. There Maldives. was only – I know we're picking this apart. There was only one time where it was – a word was different. Like Nikki told the same story about finding a, ni- a knife yeah! that he's told for two years. And I get like, hey, all you- it- here's how little we expected. If, I go, if they do one different song, I'll never forget this night. It'll be cool. He told the same story. Vince at one point said one sentence different. It was the only thing. It's like, this is the last time you'll see all of us on stage together. Here we go. And, and it was <laughs> that was the only different thing that I have of the whole thing. And that's why it bums me out. But here's the deal. We're marks and yeah. it's business. And they don't have to do good. They just have to do well money-wise. And that was the thing. That's I, a, I th- they, I they did great I, money-wise. I, I don't know how – after two years of that, they probably matched anything they else it. they've ever done. Yeah, they killed it. I, yeah. I think they didn't really like each other at the end, like you said. Yeah. I think we have two choices. We could just break up. We're not going to do new records. We don't want to play in this band anymore. Or let's go outright. Let's do a retirement tour. The end of the thing, we'll put it together. We'll sign some marked contract. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. And let's just get out there and get it done, okay? Yeah. And okay. I'm sure that's probably... The gimmick of this tour is the equivalent of the electrified cage. <laughs> the 10,000 volts of electricity running through the electrified cage. If you're a fan, like, oh my God, somebody's going to get electrocuted. I have to see this. What was, what was Kane's match? The fire match or the something? Inferno oh, the match. Inferno match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a bunch yeah. of sternos on the outside of the ring. All right, so uh, final oh, question. God. Favorite cruise show that you've ever seen and favorite cruise song, if you have to name one. Whoa. I'll go first. So my favorite cruise show that I ever saw was the Girls, 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 where White Snake opened. And I don't remember the show being completely crazy. I just remember like seeing – like Nikki can barely stand up. And I'm a 16-year-old kid. I'm in high school. I don't really know much about – partying or whatever you know right. grab six beers and drink it you're loaded he could hardly stand up and i could never figure out what was going on so then um i read his book all right <laughs> and he tells a story about after the gig in winnipeg he went back to the hotel and he was so high that he went and lit somebody's hotel room door on fire 
And when the fire was, and some Chinese guy opened the door, went, fire, fire. That was in Winnipeg right. the night of that gig. And then finally, the kid, I remember thinking 20 years later, that's why he could hardly stand up because he was so high. He then went and lit someone's hotel room door on fire. So now it all made sense to me. So definitely the most memorable. And favorite crew song. Um, when I was a kid, the one that always got to me that I always wanted to punch somebody in the face uh, in a good way was always Bastard. I just love that, especially in 1983, a song called Bastard was like, you know, you might as well just call it, it like, big, off or right, something, right. you know? But that, that song to me was always like, ah, oh, it, I still makes me get, like, if I was going to go to the match right now, I'd put that song on and just go, Nate, and go crazy, you know? Yep. Dolph? I'll go, you, you probably got a good one. Uh, I'm going to go two, uh, and it's very much along the lines of what you said to make you punk rocky but also screw this at uh it's livewire which i had on this morning one of my favorite songs and uh knock em dead kid oh, which classic, is yeah. great and grumbly and sounds like it should be on a record and not a cd just because Good call. it's all yeah, about yeah. and i only recently heard it a couple years ago and it's just, just a grumbly against the system kick ass oh you're not gonna make me champion i'm gonna have everyone begging for me to be champion yeah i don't give a shit about any of this and that's what's so cool about them and Another song they'll never play live. So I, uh, love, I love how you said that it should be on record. Like you want to hear the the groove. The extra <laughs> of it is so great. Yeah, uh, I, that's that's my favorite sound of those guys, and they have so many like that. But your favorite crew show that you saw? Show, I, it has to be that that Hollywood Bowl yeah, show. Yeah, what a great god! It was yeah. so good. And that was a great. Now show. looking back, yeah, it was like they were trying to outdo each other. Two different paths, totally. Yeah. But I, I like Poison. I like too. They got so many good songs. I like those yeah. guys. Like, yeah, these guys are fun, loving '80s guys that rock <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Oh, these guys are gonna kick our asses. Yeah, like, it was yeah. great. These guys are the kids. favorite show for sure. I agree with that. It was a great show. As far as favorite shows, I have two that stand out in my mind. Um, when I went to go see them at PNC, um, me and my all of my friends were in the front row. We're in the front row and the second row center. There's a point in the show where Tommy actually comes out. He opens up a fresh bottle of Jägermeister. He takes a swig out of it. He hands it to, to me in the front row. Nice. And he goes, Jesus. here, brother, you know, take it. Everybody take it and pass it back. Well, it got to me. It got to my friend Tom, and the bottle was empty. <laughs> so we had such a great time. Your front row, Motley Crue, and... Tommy from his set saw that I was so into the show that he was throwing sticks at me. He was, and I and I and I finally got one. That <laughs> show and the residency in Vegas yeah. was a great time yeah. because it was an intimate setting. I was like in the fifth row. You know, you're you're only about you know five yeah. feet away from the stage. The waitresses brought you drinks. So imagine now you're in Vegas. The waitress brings you drinks to the fifth row. Motley Crue's right there in the intimate setting. I mean, those were some it's fun, fun rocking, times. Yeah. And let me say one thing quickly. Crew shows always had the best chicks. Like you want to go to a I – mean, I used to laugh yeah. when they say like nowadays, or you want to see go chicks, go see a country country music oh, show. Yeah, for yeah? Sure, yeah, go see a cruise show in 1988 and yeah. match them up. Oh, man. You know, from that time frame to now frame, put the you know the, the inflation rate or whatever. Yeah. Say. I'll tell you what, in the 80s, nobody had more chicks at their show. Top level ten tomatoes, <laughs> tomatoes, <laughs> tomatoes. Eddie, if you're along the the milf line now, it's the same oh, chicks yeah. are all there. But and young chicks too want to see. And them. the cool thing is, like I said, they made it such a brand. That there's 20 year old girls there with their cut up t shirts. Sure. No idea except for, oh, I like that girls, 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 because uh, they Every play the strip stripper. club when I'm at work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and, it's, and they're, they're all tied, uh, yeah. zipped up. And I go, you know what? I'm glad you're here. Yeah. yeah it makes it that much more yeah, of a special it makes it more time. Fun. Yeah. Absolutely. It's about having fun. And That's right. Especially those last and couple shows. Hot yeah. chicks. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite song, Bubba? Uh, I mean, 
I agree with Dolph with Livewire because it's the it's the it's the first real angry Motley Crue song, so and good. it's got it's just so intense and so passionate. Um, and then Red Hot. Nice. I, mean, I mean the double bass, you know, you know, you know, Tommy. I never think gets enough credit. I mean the double bass on Red Hot just it just keeps on going. It keeps Super on going. Yeah, machine like. Um, you know, I have so many favorite Motley songs for whatever reason, but you can't top what was on Too Fast for Love and Chat at the Devil. Yeah, there's nothing else out there. You Kickstart My Heart is a polished, mm-hmm. you know, great song. But it doesn't any come where and near the ener- the raw energy of Red Hot, yeah, or Knock yeah. 'em Dead Kid, mm-hmm. or Livewire. Yeah. Those are raw, young, aggressive Pure action. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Go, go, you know, go back tonight, or if you're listening right now, go pick up Too Fast for Love or Shout at the Devil. Listen to it from beginning to end, and tell me how you, you just you don't love it. It, it. it really is great music. R.I.P. Motley Crue. Yeah. yeah. We'll see you in five years. We'll see yeah. next no, year. no, we won't. Yeah. No, we won't. Yeah. Unless you guarantee me you're playing some. I want to email me your set list. Yeah. <laughs> Motley Crue, 1981 to 2015. They are gone. Well, maybe until uh, the movie comes out, like Bubba was saying. We'll see if Bubba's also right with his other prediction that they're going to come back sooner or later. But thanks to Bubba and Dolph for a great crew cast. You can weigh in, too. What did you, where did you see the crew's final tour? Uh, what did you think? Do you have a favorite crew record? Share your crew thoughts with me. Uh, and guess where you can do that? One. On the Twitter, at Talk is Jericho. Two, at iTunes. Leave me a comment and tell me what you thought about the crew cast. And, of course, a five-star rating doesn't hurt as well. And be sure to hit the subscribe button while you're there. Subscribing means you'll never miss an episode. Subscribing means you'll never have to say you're sorry for missing an episode. And the comments and five-star ratings mean that Talk is Jericho moves up the iTunes charts, which is uh, audio currency for me, which means I'll get more great shows and more great guests like Bubba and Dolph. It's a win-win. People, where else are you going to hear Bubba Dudley and Dolph Ziggler talking about Motley Crue, right? Only here on Talk is Jericho. Once again, leave me your comments on iTunes. I'll read some of the funnier, more clever ones right here on this podcast next week. And I also got to say once again, thanks to all of you for doing your online shopping through Talk is Jericho, Amazon links. The longest running sponsor of Talk is Jericho. Easiest way to support this show. Use the TIJ links. You can find them by going to podcastone.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right-hand corner of the page, then hitting the Talk is Jericho button. I got Amazon links for the USA, the UK, the Canada A. Every time you use them links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to this show to help us cover the production costs, all right? No hidden fees or extra charges. You can go buy whatever you want. Go buy the new Megadeth record, Dystopia. Listen to the Dave Mustaine uh, episode uh, a couple episodes ago. It was amazing. Uh, He's a great guy, and it's a great, great record. Go pick it up on Amazon right now. Once again, go to podcastone.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top. Top right corner of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. All my great sponsors are there. True Car, DDP Yoga Now app. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Once again, you get three free months of the uh, DDP Yoga Now app. And also books.com, B-O-U-Q-S.com. Use my promo code Jericho. Get 20% off your flower order. All right, go be the Valentine's Day hero. And thank you so much for being here this week. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. And next week, we've got another another huge show lemmy passed away recently uh the world is in shock the rock and roll world is in shock we've heard from so many people giving their comments about what they thought of lemmy how much they meant to him one person we haven't heard about 
uh, is Motorhead guitar player Phil Campbell. In his first interview since Lemmy's passing, Phil Campbell from Motorhead will be here to tell us about his memories of Lemmy, and there are some great ones, some super funny stories, and uh, it's a very heartwarming episode of Talk is Jericho. Remembering Lemmy with Phil Campbell next Wednesday. We'll see you then. The Jordan get for fools, and Jordan for fools, and I don't seem to like the baby. I don't want to last forever. That was probably the worst Lemmy imitation ever. We'll do a better one next week. We'll see you then, and yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.